Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everybody. On this week's episode of Jacob Marley is Dead, you may notice a difference in the sound quality of my voice during our actual conversation. That's because I'm a big dummy and didn't check to make sure that I was using the right microphone input. So I apologize in advance for uh, what you're about to hear, but hopefully you enjoy our discussion. Jacob Marley is dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the podcast you are about to listen to. On Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. All right, so I was at a bachelor party this past weekend, John, after two weeks of holiday camps, and it was for one of my old wrestling buddies, and we went up to the Poconos, everybody had been... uh, good uh, no it was a fun time had by all it, it was nice because we were all like able to get away um but as you can imagine um there was a lot of drinking going on there i wasn't doing too much of that i'm kind of a lightweight in that regards i was drinking my nice mike's hard lemonade yeah 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 but uh, they were drinking some cool stuff. And one of the things they drank, they didn't finish, but they had to get everything out of the house. We rented a house for the weekend. And one of the things was this. Oh, my gosh. John, what am I holding in my hands here? So, yeah, for the listener at home, a a glass skull-shaped bottle of what I can only assume is tequila. I don't know what it is. I don't really care what it is. I'm going to turn it into... Or is it vodka? Is that the... That's not like Dan Aykroyd's thing, is it? I don't give a crap because what it's going to be is a settling jar in a little bit, okay? I'm going to get all this alcohol out of there and make this a nice settling jar because this is freaking awesome. Just like certain moments of this movie are awesome, Mr. John Newman. (laughs) Worst transitions in the history of podcasts this guy i was really hoping you were going to be able to work in something about glitter bombing because that's going to be a pretty big topic of conversation in a few minutes see you you know what you're doing john i'm thinking i'm making my gimmick the bad transition i think my gimmick (laughs) is going to be tell a bs story until it goes nowhere and then just like just like this thing (laughs) what do you mean making it my gimmick yeah i think I think it's pretty solidified. Well, well you know what they say in uh, Gypsy? I had a dream. Gypsy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bad musical theater person. Uh, welcome to Jacob Marley is Dead. Jacob Marley is Dead is a podcast where we have bad gimmicks and we talk about a Christmas carol. I am your host, John. <laughs> and I am your sidekick, James. And that was the most accurate description of this podcast ever. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna go change our Twitter photo real fast. <laughs> Friends, can you tell that we have been a little, uh, you know, we've been away for far too long, and we're having a little bit too much fun getting back together and talking. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm I'm really happy to be doing this again with you, John. I'm happy to be back in the saddle with this one. Likewise, I I have missed making the good pod. Um, oh man, I think we make. I would say that we make we make a better podcast than the creators of 1999's A Christmas Carol make TV movies <sighs> by and large. I agree. Uh, That's it's so. Hmm. <laughs> so, if you were with us last time, we started talking about the 1999 TV movie of A Christmas Carol, starring uh, Sir Patrick Stewart in the lead role. Hmm. Kind of a follow up to his uh, his one man show, where he played like 30 different roles in A Christmas Carol with no costumes and no props. Um, Which, by the way, if you're going to do a one person show, you can do a one person show a lot of different ways. My preference is no costumes for the transition. I think it's oh yeah a stronger choice, and you're not relying on gimmicks like we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I had high hopes coming into this, but if you listen to our last episode, you know that some of those hopes weren't necessarily met. Um, no. Definitely a mixed bag on this one. So, James, what do you say we get right into it? How about we don't? <laughs> or not. <laughs> or, we, or we can do something else. Because this is just... All right, so we get the light from underneath the door as we transition into the Ghost of Christmas present. And there really isn't anything interesting about this transition to this ghost it's very like we've been saying all episode paint by numbers christmas carol and we get into yeah. a room with i don't want to say the smallest of feasts i've seen in any of these but it's not the biggest it's a pretty standard feast yeah yeah so that ghost of christmas present feast and and the ghost of christmas present is there i guess it's exactly what you would think of in your head as the ghost of christmas present but yeah. not and very eh, right yeah, like super boring, really dull performance. I don't, I'm not sure what the choices that this actor is going for, but kind of like Marley, where it just feels it feels like they just got people who could say the lines and sound kind of okay, and didn't really think uh, terribly much about you know the nuance of performance. Which, when you put it next to someone like Patrick Stewart, who is all about nuanced performances and these these specific definitive choices that change the way you read a character all of these actors that we're going to encounter over the next like half hour of this movie are pretty disappointing with a couple of like minor exceptions and the ghost of christmas present is a uh public enemy number one yeah uh of this once again we we are really not batting a hundred on these ghosts of christmas present they have been really hit or miss in these movies we're watching no no it's (sighs) And it seems to me it's the easiest to get right. Like, honestly, like, like of all yeah. three ghosts, it's, it's Father Christmas. You do a Father Christmas type of costume. You're really happy and you party out Christmas and you spread the cheer. And then you, 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 you talk, you, you clap back at Scrooge for a little bit. Yeah, you there. drop the hammer a little bit. And that's, and that's all. And then you, if you're lucky, you get, your, you get your ignorance in one scene and you sell that for all it's worth. And then you go home nobody nobody is getting this right and i don't know what it is i don't know if 
they feel like weighed down by the costume and the and the the pageantry of it all so they don't like but but it's a christmas carol like what the hell like there's gonna yeah. be a there's gonna be a, a death sand sickle in a few moments like there there was joel gray and all his joel gray david bowie-ness a moment ago like and you have the simplest of all the costumes. You shouldn't feel like a fool as Father Christmas. I want to play the game now where we have to cast Father Christmas because we have. I'm sure we've got some good choices that we can pick from both of us. And yeah, like, this is not that's not one that I thought a ton about, but I'm, I'm I, I have some ideas developing. Like we haven't gotten to any of the ghosts yet. We're gonna have to cast the Ghost of Christmas Future, which is gonna be a really interesting conversation to have. Yeah, it's kind of hard just to say a cloak. I, I think I know, though. I actually think I do know exactly who I would cast. I have one. an idea as well. Well, not an idea, but I have a visual that'll help me get to my performance. And I'm really looking forward to that. But that's not what we're talking about now. What we're talking about now is a mediocre Ghost of Christmas present. And that's what we got. Yeah, yeah pretty rough. So um, they he, he's got the torch. And... The torch very quickly stopped being a torch as they transition into, like, the streets. Uh, a transition which makes it appear as though one or both of them are turning into apples, right? It's an interesting transition. Kind of weird. So Scrooge goes up and touches the spirit's robe, which, I will say, this robe looks like it was made for a community theater production of Christmas Carol. It's not... It, it's pretty cheap. I mean, the, and... I think that the normal people costuming in, in this movie is pretty strong, yes. like period appropriate and whatnot. It's very drab. There's not a ton of color in this movie. Both of the ghosts so far have looked like community theater costumes. Again, I will say that. Again, last time I mentioned that Joel Gray's costume looked like a late 1800s performance of A Christmas Carol. I'm wondering if they're only using what they would have had available then, but... I mean, nothing Nothing here says they couldn't have done this on a I don't know that they would have had shimmery tool in the, the 1800s. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, Fair point. But it's... Right? But, the Ghost of Christmas Present has, like, shaggy, like, gray, like, faux fur. Oh, I thought you were going to say he has shaggy clothes. man boobs, but okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that guy needs to go to the gym. <laughs> Dear God. Yeah, he's kind of just not that good so they're in the streets and um oh i'm sorry i was describing this transition so yeah. it's like a close-up of scrooge's hand touching the robe and then the camera pans down and it looks as though they have turned into apples that are falling into like a basket and then you see that it's like someone pouring apples from one basket into like another basket in a market stall so it's like an interesting but perplexing transition and more perplexingly, the spirit is going from, from place to place, reaching into this, like, silver torch horn thing and kind of languidly tossing. He's glitter bombing all these shopkeepers. It looks very much like that 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 guy with the sunglasses sprinkling meme. You know, the, I'll have to post it on our Twitter feed because no one's going to know what I'm talking about. But it, the way he's just kind of, like, casually, like, here you go here have some here you go have some it's very strange this is not how the ghost of christmas present would give out joy it would have to be here you go like a little bit more joy a little bit more merriment it's almost like a burden he's doing it like okay here we go here's your angel dust here you go uh here's your here's your heroin here you like here's your drugs make you happy and like 
I know I hyped up like the milk of humanity that one time. I was which... literally just about to ask about this. <laughs> and and I and I but I get what they're trying to go with that. It's like the spirit in a physical form, right? Right, right. And I get what they're going for here with the same idea of like the spirit is being spread through this pixie dust. And it's what's funny is it's a simple effect because there is no effect. They are just literally yeah. dumping pixie dust glitter on these people. And if you don't look away as they move away very quickly from whoever gets dusted, there's just dust all over them. Like, <laughs> the, the way you do it now... They could only do those shots one time right. because they would never get that out of the costumes. Which again. is very television. Some again. costume designer working on that in, like, 19, you know, 99 was like, I'm going to... Mm. Oh, John, these are rentals. These are rentals, and they come back. Yeah, yeah. Like, did they go to the strip club? What's going on here? Uh, there, we get another little piece of of them working in narration as dialogue here, where mm. the spirit talks about like Bob pocketing fifteen Bob a week, which is a piece of narration from the book that they turn into a line. And I'm a weirdo who knows every word of the book, so it distracted me. It's Again, like read it or something, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> um, and then we we go to the Cratchit's house. Uh, love it. This scene's really boring. I don't know. Like, I did, it was okay compared to other ones we've seen. I didn't think it was particularly interesting. I will say, I will, I, I will plant my flag here. This is my favorite Cratchit house. Oh wow! I okay, mean, I need you to explain to me why. Like, what was it that worked for same you? Same reason with the Fezziwigs. I believed the scale of this Cratchit family. I believed everything was going on. I loved Mrs. Cratchit leading the song. Because that's mm -hmm. what an adult does when they try to make a holiday work and they have very little to work with. Yeah. She's in there making Christmas dinner and she is singing some sort of Christmas song. And the kids are singing along with her and it's this joyous moment. And it just, it, it, it's this part of Christmas, the work people put in to make the holiday matter for their family. And I sure. always love seeing that. And I really, really love this Mrs. Cratchit. Like, she is working her butt off in this movie. I, I'm interested. So I'm, I'm once again, so I, I talked about the George C. Scott version a little bit at the end of our last episode. And I'm going to bring it up here again, because I would I would say that this version and that version are kind of contemporaries, just in terms of their TV movies that came out within like a decade or so of each other. Um, I'm interested to hear what you think of that version compared to this version when we get there well i'm sure i'll like other things that i don't like here and vice versa this yeah. is actually the scene that hit me this idea john this was the scene that this idea hit me of maybe what the end goal of this podcast will be which is a recobbled cut of a christmas carol using the best version of each scene or each moment even and getting everything from the book in there in one yeah insane edited Frankenstein monster of a film. And like for me, there are certain moments from this scene that I would put in that version. I, yeah. I can't put my finger on what it was that wasn't working for me. Uh, and I think, I don't think it's anything about performance necessarily. No. I just think this is a slow moving film. And I think maybe, uh, you know, m my mind has just been rotted by like modern cinema and like expecting, like a certain degree of pacing but to me it's like this is this is a scene that can be spectacularly uninteresting if you don't figure out a way to make it matter to me 
Well, you got Mrs. Cratchit there. She's mashing something, maybe the pudding and getting the pudding ready to go into the, uh, to be cooked or baked as it were. And she, she's singing a song along with all the kids. And if you're doing this more modern and, but the same exact stuff has to happen. Extreme close-ups of as she's mashing the stuff, really timing the cuts along with the song. So like everything's an action shot. I get that. I get where you're coming from there, but there was something about the fact of just seeing a day in the life of the Cratchits. Sure. And which I always feel like we're rushed. Yeah. And maybe that's why here it's like, no, we finally get to live with them for a minute. Yeah, they really linger in it for a while and let you really take it in, which is good, I guess. Like, you need that. I mean, you know me about Bobby C. Like, this is all yeah. what I'm here for. Like, And I will say, like, when, when uh, Richard E. Grant playing, and I think his take on Cratchit is, is very subtle. We, we're going to see, we've seen versions already, and we'll see versions in the future that ham it up a little bit in this role. And mm-hmm. I think that Richard E. Grant does a really nice job of, of treading this line of being both sad and tired, but also like he's the the heart of the family yeah. and he manages to do both things. There's this great moment where that I think speaks to that, which is he comes in with tiny Tim. First of all, he's got tiny Tim on the shoulder. That's what I want to see. I want to see that Good shot. Stuff, yeah. He gets tiny Tim down. Tiny Tim goes, plays with his siblings. And before we get the uh, daughter returning surprise moment, we just get this little beat of Bob sitting in his chair. It's yeah. his chair. And for a moment, he can just let it all out. I'm home. Yeah. I'm safe. Yeah. I'm in my castle. I have. And like, it's such a, it's such a believable moment for that character to have. And I'm very happy that it's in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. Um, Scrooge doesn't know about Tiny Tim in this version. What did you think about that? I thought my dream theory kind of went out the window with that moment, but you know, Scrooge can always be in self denial, so it's still possible sure, he's bullshitting sure, himself. Sure. Here. But whatever. Uh, um, for you know, new listeners, Jimmy's Jimmy's prevailing theory with this is that everything that happens to Scrooge between when he leaves his counting house at the beginning and when he wakes up on Christmas Day is a dream that he has based on underlying urges that he has to change his life. And one of the big things is like Scrooge knows kind of what's going on with Cratchit's family and all these other things. So for him to not know that Tiny Tim exists and to say he doesn't know Tiny Tim exists pokes a little bit of a hole in that. But that's also not, you know, from the text. That's a specific thing to this film. I personally feel that the best way to play A Christmas Carol is when you play it where it could be either or. Neither one yeah, should I, be 100%. I do agree with that. Yeah. Neither one should be 100%, but it should just be Scrooge should be able to later in life question what happened but like in the um was it the finney version that has him i don't know if it was a dream or not i don't care i'm happy where i'm at yeah. now that needs to be where scrooge is at like i've learned sure. the lesson yeah it is a nice moment though because i think it uh i like the intention behind scrooge saying that is like cratchit's never talked about it he's never complained about it right he's never made it an issue he's always just come in and done his job right and worked hard and never asked for a handout which i think is a nice it, it really tells you something about cratchit it tells you something about scrooge that scrooge is like notices this and notices this about bob um and but john it fills but john, in a gap that i think is often there but john in life the, the ghost of christmas uh present goes hey uh you why did you ask him right and i gotta say yeah. i'm not going around asking people hey uh hey you got a cripple kid 
Right. <laughs> like, right. Well, that could be like, why didn't you ever ask him about his family? I know, like, but the way know. it was delivered was like, I didn't know he had this. Like, it's not, you don't ask that question just in and of itself. Like, yeah. did you ever talk to him? Like, yeah. You just don't ask that question. You have to know the person's life. It was just a, it was a weird take on that line, Ghost of Christmas Present. Yeah, and well, like many weird things about this ghost. This Ghost of Christmas Present feels to me like the actor was like, had a cold that day or something. It's just very low energy. He looks kind of sickly. And maybe that's like, they're trying to indicate that he's aging over the course of the day, but I don't buy it. It's not a very If you're going to do the aging thing, then you need to do it in an F. You need to do like there's what five to six scenes with the ghost of Christmas present. Then you need to have yeah, that happen. Yeah, you, ha- you need to have that be that there's a slight change each one of those scenes. There is not. There is one yeah. consistent look pretty pretty much throughout the whole thing, and then we'll get to it. Then he's old, which is kind of yeah. when everybody else does it. I'm not faulting this movie for it, but don't use the aging thing as an excuse for this guy's performance and appearance because it is. An atrocity. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely not that good. Um, but the the thing that I, I like too is this fills in this gap for me where sometimes I think Scrooge recognizing the plight of Tiny Tim gets underplayed a little bit mm. um, when I think it's a really important piece of Scrooge's character is like his ultimately selfless desire to help Tiny Tim and help Bob is a big piece of his redemption. Like it's almost like the most important piece of, of him becoming a better person is that he saves this child. Well, I've said it before, I think, but it's like, it's, I know what this guy gets paid and I know what yeah. he's, what, how much he's having to stretch because yeah. I mean, the, the oldest daughter has to work when we get the surprise scene and he says, that's a hard work and Scrooge hears how much she works. He says that's a hardworking person right there or something like that. And the spirit's like, she's got to be, dude. She's contributing. Yeah. She's the second yeah. breadwinner of this family. and Or she yeah, can't be there. Like, it's not like a moral thing. It's right. a necessity. It's not, it's, not, it's not a choice. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a need. It's, and there's, there's a lot of that in this scene of like Scrooge realizing that. But there's also you got Bob who's just looking at all the work his wife is doing. And he's got like this... Nice, you know, respect and pride that he takes in, like, all the work that she's put into this. And it's a very nice little beat between the two of them. Yeah. I like, I really love, so she brings in the pudding and it's, like, on fire. Well, before the pudding, even, we get the goose, right? And they bring the goose Yeah, the kids, like, slamming their forks on the table. The goose, the goose, the goose, the goose. (laughs) Goobble gobble, one of us, one of us. Goobble gobble. (laughs) And freaking, and it's this wonderful, and... Bob, this is the thing I want to talk about. Bob gives the honor of cutting the goose to his wife. Oh yeah, which I like that little touch. Like that's the respect yeah. I'm talking about. Like we like, stand feminist Bob Cratchit well, in this house. I think that's just like it's a, they're a team. A good yeah. version of the Cratchits totally. are they are a team. They're in love. They want to start a family, but they can't get above their means and uh, or status in this horrible. Dictate, you know, horrible world they live in. So, they they're doing what they can. They got to work together, and they're working together because they love each other. And they get the goose, and as they're get, eating the goose, Tiny Tim fakes or actually does choke on the goose, and I don't know which is which. <laughs> There's this little I, I think beat it's of him. real. I I don't know. 
because he's got this little smirk on his face right afterwards. And it's like, or it's just like he's just he's eating it so fast because it's so good that he gets caught up in it. But then he says it's the best gook ever. And I wrote, this is the best Tiny Tim we've had. This is the- yeah, he's pretty good. Of all, I'm not saying he's going to be the best one at the end of the day, but so far, best Tiny Tim. Yeah, I will say that tough to beat the Richard Williams one. I think that might be my favorite one so far. But this one, oh. for for this, yeah, right. I but just this remembered one is very it. good too. Yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So they bring in the the pudding and it's like on fire, and Bob tastes it, and he he like slowly deliberates, right? That head shake. And it's just Richard E. Grant doing what Richard E. Grant does. He's he's an actor, I think, that that deserves a little bit more recognition. He's very good. I was kind of really, like, he was one of the few things that I actually genuinely liked in Rise of Skywalker. Was, oh, my God. Was he his, was in Rise his of character. Who was he in Rise yeah, he of was, Skywalker? Yeah, he was, like, the Imperial officer that sort of took over after the weird, like, face turn that, uh, that General Hux had. Oh, my God. God, I saw Rise of Skywalker and I don't care about it at all. <laughs> there is a really funny moment where um so so Scrooge is kind of fretting about like whether or not Tiny Tim will live. And the spirit does his usual like, well, if he had better die, he'd better do it, decrease the surplus, blah 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 blah. And then he's going to continue. Did you just he's blah, like about blah, to blah, say something else? Lines in the freaking novella. <laughs> right, listen, this is this is like our our twelfth episode of this show, so this will be the in theory the sixth or seventh time I've talked about this. You know, um, they gave, they came in asking for money, yada yada yada. I didn't give it to him. <laughs> yeah. But he's he's going to continue to rag on Scrooge, and he gets cut off by Bob. Like he has something else that he's about to say, and Bob's like, "Hey, to Mister Scrooge," and the spirit's like, "Oh, what, what?" Huh? <laughs> and it's a very weird moment. It's funny because I want to imagine like whatever the next thing that he's about to say is, but yeah, um, yeah. And then Mrs. Cratchit uh, gives Bob a hard time for drinking a toast to Scrooge. Yeah, it was yeah, like they say, yada yada yada. It's it's good. It's there. I like her performance most at this moment. This was, I think, the moment where she's shown for me. Well, it's her grit. It's it's she is she's got true grit. This this Miss Cratchit, Mrs. Cratchit, and she's working hard, like I've been talking about, and she's doing it all for the family, and she's doing it with a smile on her face, and she's making the holiday work as hard as it is. But this was the last straw for her. She's like, you're thinking him. Yeah. Who made this happen, Cratchit? Who put this whole show on? Ya boo, Mrs. Cratchit. And I think that's, I never quite got that aspect of the the founder of the feast line a little bit. It's like, you're, you're raising a toast. More on me, please. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and also, yeah. screw, screw. Well, and I think, on, I think on him, too. She, oh, she yeah. like, he's not acknowledging that he has to work to make that money. Um, I Fair had point. more to say about this, I think, but then I my my brain melted a second later because Scrooge and the ghost wander into the world's worst green screen and are picked up by an incredibly bad CGI tornado. And I, I had to put my phone down and stop taking notes because I was so perplexed by what I was seeing. It's bizarre. It's a twister. It's a twister. And it is the worst twister I've ever seen in a movie. Okay? Like, it's... Okay. 
Yeah, e somehow the, like, the Wizard of Oz came out in what the 30s and managed to do a better tornado than whatever happens for a considerable amount of time in this movie. Jesus, John, that was cold. You didn't have to do them like that, but you just went 1940 <laughs> graphics were better than your piece of crap. Like, but it's true. Like, look, they're trying, and there's a great shot of like as they go through with this twister, they're seeing all the stuff that you get this moment. But it's see, here's the thing, right? It is so unnecessary oh yeah there is no reason why they have to get picked up by a twister on a very obvious green screen and i think this movie is like on a lot of very small serviceable sets so a green screen really stands out like it's the only one as far as i could tell in this movie for starters i think there are some for their transitions from certain areas or at least different attempts at chroma key in there but my god this was ugly this was bowling shoe ugly right here and yeah i why would you need this sequence you know what it is it's exactly that meme of like when you get a when you strike out at a bowling alley and and it plays the little video on the on the screen from the 80s that's exactly (laughs) what this is right because the cgi was made around bowling pins because the cgi was made around the same time too so it's like they're all related and it's and I, I wanted to be excited because what this leads to is the those sequences that we often don't get of like the lighthouse and the ship and the miners, all of which are very good. Like definitely not as good as the Richard Williams version. No. But like they're there and they're good and it's very similar to that version. Well, you could tell they're trying not I don't want to say ape, because they're both going from the novella, but they're they're influenced by the Richard Williams version. And there's that great shot of Scrooge and the spirit standing on the coal watching the miners. And that's, yeah, that's the most cinematic shot maybe in the whole movie. That's a pretty big scale on that. Yeah. Shot. Yeah. And also I, like the pipes on that, that miner. I'm so, yeah, do they like, get pie? Like, like, like what the hell? Like that was amazing. Like I'm it, but, and it's a, it's a, a great attempt at that sequence. Yeah. But they just keep lingering on the shots and they don't, it's, it's yeah, neither... and, and then it's just like a lot of time with that bad tornado. Like oh. th- that, that's the thing that bothers me. I think you can do that whole sequence exactly the same way, but do something that's consistent with your production. Because there are two CGI, like big CGI effect shots in this movie, mm-hmm. and they are both bad. It's the tornado, and it's the ghosts outside Scrooge's window in the Marley scene, and it's it's so distractingly bad. It takes you right out of the very like the serviceable looking movie. Like no, nothing about this movie looks amazing. But at least it looks, like, good and artistically consistent. All you need to do is match shots. Match your shots and transitions. Storyboard this out. As they're walking out of the Cratchits, the same way they're walking out, they're walking into the lighthouse. As they're leaving the lighthouse, they're going to the miners. Which is kind of why I think, the, the was it the Finney version that did that? Are the miners in the Albert Finney version? I know the light, I could be wrong, but there is definitely some productions have done very nice transitions and you don't have to do special effects. I don't believe that if there is a divine presence here that they need to have sparkles to cover up bad CGI. I think it would just look like how it would look in real life as it would look like, okay? So don't give me a portal to the Twilight Zone or a bad attempt to go after the movie twister just give me the location you want and the actors they're performing so i'm not distracted by the bad cgi and it takes it makes it takes me out of it honestly yeah yeah um and then 
is yeah. This whole sequence, I'm I'm like at a loss for words because after all of this this flying around in a tornado, um, the they they drop into Fred's party, literally. They like drop down from the ceiling. It looks like something out of a Monty Python sketch. It was very <laughs> bizarre because yes. they just kind of like come down from the top of the of the frame and and land on the floor and but then there's also like a cut that is clearly like and here's where we take them off the wires and now they're standing there in the hallway you couldn't really have, weird you couldn't have them fly out the window or hover for a second with the ghost of christmas pass but here bring in the wire fighting scene man like let's do this it's 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 random choices being made on the production side of things the actors yeah. and the script have made choices and are staying true throughout for the most part, especially the really good performance, like Richard E. Grant and Patrick Stewart and Mrs. Cratchit. So the um, Fred's party is, is pretty, pretty standard. Interestingly, they had this like long conversation going on with like the, the various guests at the party talking about Scrooge. So you get the impression that like the community knows who this guy is and knows what kind of person he is, which I thought was a nice detail. I appreciated that. Like, you know, Scrooge is, is so bad that he's kind of like commonly known as this like curmudgeonly miser that nobody likes. Worlds were smaller back then. I mean, I mean, they still are in some respects now, but like you knew the people in your community and the people around your neighborhood and the block. And so, which was also in the Finney version Scrooge, which I like that there too. So I, I, I it's a good choice. And there's this really nice exchange between Fred and uh, his wife. And uh, when they're at the punch bowl and he's just like, he's emphasizing how he has to try. And it's, it's a good performance from Fred. And then we go and then, for some reason, we just keep this Scrooge is going to leave and Scrooge is not going to leave thing with the scene here. It's very weird. And like, like I kind of want to get away from this party because Mr. Thompson or whatever his name is. Oh, Topper. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Topper. Okay. This guy has got Creeper on his face with a capital C for capital punishment. <laughs> Cause this guy is committing <laughs> some crimes here. All right. This guy, he's just creeping me out the whole time. Like this guy is just, I don't, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely skeevy. I mean, he's skeevy in the book too, right? He's the one that's flirting with the, with the, the chubby sister in the, in the book at the party. So like, this is very accurate at least. So I want to get away from this party, but we don't because we, we leave the spirit wants to leave. But then Scrooge wants to play the games once the games come back, which I was excited for because I thought we were going to miss out on the name game scene. And, or yeah. like, what a name? What am I? And nope, we didn't get that. We got Blind Man's Buff, the thing I wish they would cut from it because it's creepy because he's feeling up on her face and stuff. Topper yeah, is. Yeah. And it's just. Yeah. And then he gets some. Like, they make out. She's into it. Wins. Doesn't make it any better. But. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. But then they leave. There's a really funny bit in the midst here where Scrooge thinks someone's handing him a cup of punch, but then someone else takes it. That That is funny. That is a funny moment. Yeah, it's just like good little business that I appreciated. Um, yeah, yeah, and is this is this the part where he comes through the wall onto the couch? Oh my god, Do you remember that? yeah. Yeah, yeah there's, so there's like a really weird transition. One of these times that Scrooge leaves and then comes back, 
he leaves and then like they come like they they come through the wall like like they kind of like smush through the wall like shadow cat why would Um, the couch be tangible but the why would they aim like when they just walk through the couch (laughs) yeah i don't know it's very weird it looked bad it was a bad look it wasn't a good i maybe who am i to say it was bad. Again, it was like it was like someone on this production was like, "Oh, we have like a visual effects person. We can do like a couple of visual effects and make this look cool because it's 1999 and that's like going to become very popular in a second. But they had a visual effects person on this. I couldn't tell. <laughs> that's cold. That's cold. Ah, dude, the pro- the production of this movie brings the whole thing down, and that's why we have to emphasize that. The performances yeah. are solid. The production sucked. Uh, so then they leave a second time, and Scrooge hears his niece playing his sister's favorite song. And Scrooge and the ghost have kind of like an exchange about about uh, his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for some reason that felt like the editor just didn't know where this scene was supposed to be, they go to like a prison for a hot second. And there's no dialogue about it. They don't talk about why they're there. The spirit glitter bombs some prisoner and he pulls out like a recorder and starts playing a Christmas song. And the prisoners are singing. And it feels like it belongs in that like flying around the world to see how people like how Christmas affects people. It's very weird that it's after the scene with Fred. What are they and try- before ignorance and want is it? I guess to be like Scrooge needs to see what a prison looks like if he's saying people need to go to prison. I mean, is look, that the idea? But they don't talk about it. It's really weird. Like, I guess it could be building up like the the darker side of the holiday that there are still, sure. you know, our our our, our fellow our humans are in, like inside you know, jails and regardless of what they've done, that's a sucky place to be in life. So. But even there, the spirit can find its way. And I guess that works, but it does feel like it should be in the larger scene in the middle of this. And then we get this weird shot, John, after the prisons. Weren't they just walking in a big empty space? Yeah, like just walking down the street. And there's some sort of stuff on the wall. I don't know what the heck it is because I don't know anything. But I'm like, this... This transition shot does not need to be there. This is this, and and it's long. It's like an eight second shot of Patrick Stewart and not my ghost of Christmas present walking, and then it's done. I, uh, you can again. I know I talk about other times when that would be an appropriate beat there. Not here. Yeah, it's just one of the. It is one of those things in this movie that like the pacing is just like, all right, get on with it. Like get to the thing that you're trying to get to. We don't need this much establishment and like long quiet. There's no gravitas to any of it. It's not letting any idea sink in. It's just filling space and time. Are we getting too bored with the story or is the movie that bad? And I think the answer is that we, that the movie was that bad, but it just like, I, that's the thing I think we're going to have to be, keep ourselves in check of as we go through, because we're going to get, we're going to get numb to some of this by just watching so well, many. I, 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 yeah, no, it's true. But you know what I, I think? Like I'm thinking forward to things like, um, you know, the Disney animated Jim Carrey one, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a I would say a bad movie. Not to spoilers for I guess when we get there. You know what? But... Let's go to Full House and cut that out. Like, do not yeah. leave that in there, dude. 
I so didn't. I, a, I, la, 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 I didn't hear that. Okay. <laughs> so that is a movie that that I think has made some controversial choices, right? But they make choices, and that's like something that we're going to be able to talk about. I think by and large, this movie does not make a ton of choices. They just kind of do the thing. I think that we're going to find when we look at these like more straight adaptations of the original text that just kind of do the thing. They are going to get kind of samey and boring, and I think it's going to be down to talking about things like the nuance of a performance or comparing this to that. But I think that's fine. People have tuned in so far, they'll tune in for that too, I would assume, or hope. Please. Um... No, I think the choices are, are the actors are making the really interesting choices here. Like you said, like we'll be going more into performances as we go on with this. But um, yeah, this jail scene and weird transition out of it just didn't work. And then we get to, I actually will say this. I did think this in the moment. And I know I've been kind of talking crap about this ghost Christmas present. So far... This has been my favorite ignorance and want scene. Interesting. I don't like that that's the answer I'm t- what I'm saying here. I don't like that. But so we get to that scene as we all know, they're walking through the streets, Scrooge notices that the ghost is getting old and then mentions that there's a claw or something underneath. Yeah. And we This s- is like the one place where this ghost's performance works because yeah. he has felt kind of frail and tired the whole time. And, and, and only now, as he's supposed to be like dying, right. does that actually work pretty well. And his, he looks pretty haggard. His natural desperate attitude and performance is justified in this moment as he pleads for ignorance and wants and and are and like kind of gives a group hug type of deal and and as they cling, well, he's like holding them back because when he opens his robe, like ignorance tries to 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 jump Scrooge and and wants claw hand is the best claw hand I have seen so far. Yeah, it's like yeah. a skeleton and it's scary looking. And I don't know if that was. And these are just like a couple of skinny looking kids, right? Like they're not particularly scary, but their performances it's it's not quite as alarming as like the Richard Williams where they're like horrible little goblin things. Right, they're just regular kids that look a little scary, but like ignorance makes like a feral noise when he tries to like go after Scrooge. But they're still children, and they're clinging to the ghost at Christmas present, and that's what I like yeah. about it. And he's clinging back, like he's embracing yeah. them and or holding them back, which is also a good way of looking at it. But like he's right there with them, and as he's dying, he knows that what's what's he saying there. He's saying, I'm not going to be there for the rest of this year. And these are going to be on their own. And they're clinging back to me, but I'm not going to be around to take care of them. You've got to do it the rest of the year. Humanity's got to do it the rest of the time. And I like, I, 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 that's where this ghost was saved for me. I thought this was actually a pretty decent beat for this ghost, which yeah. led into another great beat as well. Yeah. So, um, we're we're going to be like the bell is ringing and Scrooge is about to be left alone in the street to meet the ghost of Christmas future. Before that happens, we do need to pay our clerk. So we're going to take a quick ad break here, and then when we come back, we'll bring this puppy home. If I stopped you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, wouldn't you? Hmm? But you don't think me ill-used if I pay a day's wages for no work, do you? Hmm? Tis only once a year, sir. It's a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Yes, 
Hi, everybody. If you're anything like me, you've been listening to podcasts pretty much as long as podcasts have been a thing, and you've always dreamed that one day you would find a topic you were really passionate about, and you would make that dream podcast yourself. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, when everybody and their mom and their mom's dog has a podcast, and there are so many different podcast hosting platforms to choose from, it can be a little bit difficult to find something that fits both your needs and your budget. And that is where Anchor comes in. If you are someone just breaking into the podcast scene and you're looking for a place to uh, get started hosting your podcast, Anchor is a great choice. For starters, it's totally free. There's no charge to host the files that you need for your podcast. It also has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So if you're someone who hasn't broken into using GarageBand or Audacity or a more professional program to record your podcast... Anchor has all of the tools you need to record right from your phone or computer. Anchor also provides seamless distribution to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcast platforms, so it's really easy for you to reach a broad audience. If you're looking to monetize your podcast, you can do so with no minimum listenership through Anchor. Just record an ad and put a sponsorship segment in your show, and you're good to go. It's everything that you need to make a podcast right in one place. If you want to get started recording that podcast you've always dreamed about today, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Are you fascinated by true crime like us? If so, check out our podcast, Crime Divers, hosted by me, Jill. And me, Laura. Look out for new episodes every Tuesday when we discuss true crime from around the world. So what are you waiting for? Come join us as we dive in. about to discover that somehow the Christmas Carol movie with Alec Guinness in one of the main roles wasn't the most Star Warsy Christmas Carol <laughs> as uh, Ebenezer Scrooge is approached by a seven foot tall Jawa in the streets of London who's about to show him John, uh, his Christmas future. John, I did not put the Jawa connection down to this moment. You are a genius, man. That is... How could you not? I'm sorry. That's... I... I I'm an idiot. Either you're a genius or I'm an idiot for not putting that together. It's it's pretty, I mean, once you get there, it's pretty hard to not see it because this Ghost of Christmas Future is like so close to being pretty good. But, so just to describe, it's very tall and very thin, but it, number one, looks like it has a gigantic head. I guess because there's some kind of apparatus around the actor's head. From what I know, and, and just for a little reference, me and John have done some puppetry work in our time. And so I, from what I can look at and get from this rigging here, it's a system where the top half is sitting on the performer's shoulders and the hands are meant to look like they are folding down, like resting at the side and like the elbows bending up. But what's really happening is they're just keeping their hands at this height, which you can see is my... My hand is matching my shoulder. And so it's trying to give like low effort hand movements for a very tall creature. But the problem is they're not using puppet hands for this ghost. They're using Mm -hmm. the hands that are the same scale as an average person. And so it just doesn't match up. Not even like, 
yeah not, and not even like particularly like interesting hands so like we talked for a long time in our last episode or when we talked about the richard williams animated version how a lot of like this care and attention was put into this ghost's hands making the like the anatomy and the knuckles and everything very like evocative and these are literally just like some some dude's hands some right? white guy's hands just popping yeah. out of there which at this moment i realized this is a pretty white production of a christmas carol just saying <laughs> like yeah. nope Nobody in the town. I'm not 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 any whiter than any of the other ones we've watched. I look. I, I look. I'm just saying. It for some reason it hit me right here. I was like, why does that have to be the choice? Why can't it be some makeup on there? Why can't it be something else? It just it was low effort that made me realize something about this production. Yeah. Well, and and to and to cap it all off, the from under the hood there are two small like glowing eyes. Yeah. That are slightly too close together, so it, it is a, a weird look. It looks exactly like a Jawa, like those weird little glowing eyes that they have. I couldn't unsee it. The second I thought it, I was like, oh, I'm done. I can't. I check out on this. See, you went to Star Wars. I went to Doctor Who, and this looks like some sort of background alien that they would just throw in there when the doctor is in some sort of alien port and like, oh, yes, I'm showing you someplace interesting. And oh, don't mind that tall character there. Remind you of anybody from Christmas? Ha ha. I'm the doctor. I love Doctor Who. I do, but that sometimes is exactly what happens in the Matt Smith era. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so the eyes are a really weird and bad choice. The 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 basic human hands are like an almost worse choice. Ugh. It it's a it looks very uh, weird and top heavy. I was liking the costume until the hands. I because yeah because the transition is pretty good. It's it's Scrooge looking one way, and then it's a boom right there. It's the Ghost of Christmas Future. And if you can, if if it never it shows doesn't it, look dissimilar to like the Muppets version, right? No, I will definitely say the we, same. I would the say same we need to compare them when we get to them because I think they're very different. Actually, I think there's yeah. a lot more detail in the other one. The material used for the for the robe is oh yeah no I'm I'm certainly not saying they're of the same quality, but in terms of like shape and presence, similar kind of feel, like Maybe not the same, not the same production quality. Maybe the same, like, general structure, but I think the shoulders might be bigger on the other one. And there are definitely no Jawa eyes. Oh, yeah. No, most certainly. Um, So they go to the stock exchange. Uh, Scrooge is, like, very confident walking into the exchange that, like, oh, this is my my home turf. I know these people. I know what's going on here. It's like it's a a safe space for him in a a, a situation, this whole carol – that he's been in no safe spaces where he feels confident. So it's the first time right. he can puff his chest. And yeah. they'll talk good stuff about me because I'm good at business. Yeah. I'm yeah. an American. Um, and and this scene is like almost word for word exactly how it plays out in, in the book. Decent set of actors here playing the the stock exchange guys. After the Richard Nothing Williams, particularly stand out. After the Richard Williams version where I got that grotesque nose on screen for the first time, nothing will top that. Nothing will top yeah. that. I kind of liked the jowly, like the jowly guy, the one who talked about like wanting lunch. I thought he was well cast. He's as good as he can get without the crap on his nose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think that one of the most, the, one of the only places in this movie that I felt like actually emotionally impacted by what I was seeing was immediately after this, when they go to walk into the poor section of the city, 
I thought that that was a pretty effectively staged, like that walk down the kind of narrow alleyways, seeing like the poor people hanging around, the crying baby out on the street. Like, there's a one that that was like well orchestrated to get me to like, oh, this sucks. This part of England is not good. There's like a one armed guy drinking in the ro- in the street. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like, that was the, that was the thing that really got to me. It's like guy. it's which is like let's be honest alcoholism and drinking at the holidays are kind of close to each other. And I'm not saying you can't have a spirit or two to celebrate the holidays, but some people take it too much when they're in really desperate right. situations. And this, and when you see like a poor person maimed like that at this time period, you yeah. can only assume like, Oh, industrial accident of some kind. Like he lost his job because his arm got ripped off in a mill of some sort or, and you know, that could either be very recent or that could have been he's been a kid because he worked in some sort of really horrible situation. And he's had that as a kid because there are no children labor laws at this moment. And look, there's a reason why this piece is God, such... Absolutely screw this period of history, by, by the way. Yeah. Like, as a person with like two kids now, at this this entire period of history can eat my entire butt cheek. Like, forget it. This is the violent birth of capitalism taking a hold over our world. And it's... It's horrifying to see. And anybody that argues like the industrial revolution got us on the right track. Screw you. The ends don't justify the means people suffered. People died. Go pound sand. This. uh, So we get like the scene at the pawn shop, which I think we've, we've seen two versions of this now where like the pawn shop is this like horrible, like den of like scrappy rags with small children picking through filth. So this version felt like almost wholesome. <laughs> it was it was the Hallmark version of it. It was the Hallmark yeah. version. It was old Joe, is that the character's name again? Yeah. He was mm-hmm. almost pleasant. He was almost yeah. like a decent fellow. And there was like an honor amongst thieves thing going on here where in other times you feel like they're going to shiv each other at any moment for some money. And right, exactly. This was like, oh, this is the retirement community having a nice meeting, and we're going to talk yeah, about the yeah. stuff we found, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, and it still like delivers the message, I guess. But I think the, I, I've, I maybe at this point I've been primed for this to be like the worst thing no. you see in the movie. No, John, so. there's the Alistair Sim version. It's horrifying that room, like that whole yeah. scene is just. You really get how wrong that all is there and this yeah. is not that way there's some good performances i think the undertaker is really funny in this scene and yeah. um i mean but it is more funny than horrifying right and it needs to be horrifying like there are other productions that have this same scene and it is one of the most terrifying things you'll watch when you really consider what's being talked about and how yeah with what levity is being talked about yeah yeah like the black humor of it yeah um and then and then they they move pretty quickly from that to uh the um the bedroom scene right where he sees the the body on the bed um this was a problem for me because this yeah go ahead i feel like if you do this scene scrooge knows what's up like he knows what's at play here he knows who's underneath that and it totally goes against what happens later on in the script and the movie. And I'm not yeah. happy with it. 
Yeah. So there's a read. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there. What's interesting about this scene is it's like heavily stylized where no other scene in this movie has been. It's like a totally black room with this stark white light on the bed, almost as if they're in like some kind of kind of limbo space where Scrooge has to confront this thing. And it almost feels like the Ghost of Christmas uh, future put like a lot of production value into this moment. Like this, this is where I'm really going to cap it off. And he's going to look under the sheet and, and then Scrooge is like, nah, I'm good, bro. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, all right. Well, I'm going to have to do that other thing then. I got the backup plan. I, I'm just imagining the ghosts now have like a headset, like Avengers style where you never see it, but they're in constant communication with each other. It's like, oh no, it didn't work. Go to plan B, go to plan B, graveyard scene, graveyard scene, go, go, go. Because <laughs> um, you could have the Scrooge revelation here without anything else. Like, yeah. Okay, I I'm, I can't change anything. We'll get to that later on. But believe it or not, there is a version I have seen where he looks under the sheet at this moment. Really? Don't tell yeah. me what it is. I'm because I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to because when we talk, it's really interesting. The one that we're going to talk about. I'm on sheet watch now. I'm 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 looking forward to this because this is yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, all it right. changes the dynamic of everything that happens afterwards in a really interesting way. I don't know if I, it's like a good way necessarily but like we'll talk about it it's interesting yeah. so but in this version he doesn't look he he like can't look he doesn't have the power and he's like show me um you know some someone having emotion about this man's death and then there's like the the jawa opens its arm and there is a star wars like wipe <laughs> to another scene it's very star wars it was too much at that moment i was like okay you neither need to be doing wipes the whole time or none at all and this yeah. one sucked <laughs> And then, and there's like three in a row here, right? Because because first we get the um we get the debtors, like the people who owed Scrooge money for the first time. We haven't seen the these characters in any adaptation up until this point. It's a good version of it. I like I like the it's it's a little too quiet of a reveal of that. What I mean by that is like once she gets the news, she starts laughing and she's holding a baby in her arms. So you re you really feel sympathy for them as a family. Yeah, like. Who's going to kick these people out, right? Who would kick anybody yeah. out? Who shouldn't be charitable to their fellow human? Never mind. Uh, but this, she's laughing and she's saying, I can't believe I'm so happy at somebody's death, which is the whole point of the scene. Could have been bigger. Could have been a little bit more mad, like mad in the traditional sure. sense of it. Like, I, like I, I feel like there are some versions that I have seen that have done that there. And I prefer that. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Like we, up until this point, that's just like a sequence that we have not seen. So this is a first for us to get that. Um, and Scrooge is like, uh, no, 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 no. This, is, this isn't what I meant. Like, how about some tenderness, right? And then we get, you know, Ooh. Tiny Tim is dead. Um, I... I love this. Yeah, it's pretty good. And and we get, we get like a nice extended sequence where... I'm talking about it like it's this like really nice scene. But we get a, a good like extended sequence of, of Bob actually next to like dead Tiny Tim on the bed in their upstairs room talking to him about how they'll never forget him. Before that, though, we see Mrs. Cratchit downstairs sewing patches for everybody in the family to wear. They have to be in mourning for a year. They have to wear black for a year to mourn the passing of Tiny Tim. That was the custom at the time. It still kind of is now here and there. And they can't wear full. The idea is you have to wear like black for the whole year, kind of, right? Most people, yeah. have, but they can't afford that. They only have so much shirts. So she's sewing 
individual patches for them to wear on their day-to-day life. Yeah, it's a cool detail. I just, I love how hard their lives are for this version because that makes Scrooge's turn even more believable. Seeing this, Mm -hmm. really seeing what real work and what real people have to do to survive in this world. And it's a nice contrast too to like the guys in the the counting house scene who are like, oh, I never wear black. It's like I, I can't be bothered. Right. You know what I mean? How like, flippant! And, and then it's like, how how dare you? Right? right? Like how how dare you be flippant about this when it like is so meaningful to this other family who's also and, lost someone critical to them? You know? And all the layers of it, like they 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 talk about Tiny Tim after Bob comes back down, which is a very nice little scene, like you said, of him up there. But he comes down. They share memories about Tom, and they, they, they try to put a smile on. But, and they're smiling for each other, like nobody wants to break, nobody wants to yeah. cry at this moment, and they're all desperate to do that. But they can't. But they want yeah. to. So then, then we we move on to the graveyard scene, and like for the first time in a while, we actually get some like music that elevates the tension of a scene a little bit because most of this movie is not really scored very much. And I think there are places where even just a little bit of music to fill in some of the silence would have elevated this whole production for me. And this is a moment where it does work. Like this graveyard scene feels appropriately like final and yeah. uh, grave for lack of a better word. And we are primed for Scrooge to be aware that he's going to see his grave at this moment. We are primed yeah. by, by Patrick Stewart's delivery in this bedroom scene we are we we believe that's where he's at mentally and then the script says nope and it totally says am i dead i i I can't be dead like and it's just the wrong choice for that moment yeah so the line in the book is am i the man who lay upon the bed so scrooge does ask and the way that I have seen this play where it works is where he's finally kind of admitting it. Right. Like he's asking the question, but it's him admitting what he was suspicious of all along. And I do think this is a misstep here. Like Patrick Stewart, the way he plays this, whether it's intentional or not, he plays it as if it's a sudden realization to him. And I don't think that that is the correct read. No. It, it does come off a little bit like, come on, man, you're smart. You couldn't figure this out. Like that, that, body that was practically like you vacuum wrapped in that sheet that <laughs> you could see right. like your nose and forehead and profile it's very obviously him under the sheet by the way in the bedroom scene oh, it's actually it's either him there or a very nice like body double or whatever for the shots like it's, it looks like patrick stewart underneath the sheet and there's another cool shot like that coming up but i always like the graveyard scene better when it plays up the tiny tim connection so scrooge yeah. doesn't know what he's going into if you're not going to do the bedroom scene, right? If you're not going to do the bedroom scene, then he needs to be like, and they usually, I don't think we've seen a version that didn't do it except for like ghosts of girlfriends past because that I've doesn't. seen a couple in my day. Uh, and I don't know if the bedroom scene is 100% necessary. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, mean, even the Richard Williams one squeezed it in and that version right. is like zip, 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 zip. We got to get but through it. But if you keep it in, you've got to keep what it means in. And this yeah. doesn't really. So we get the, Oh, I died in the future, even though I'm an old guy moment, which is always the bad read of that. But then Patrick does sell, if I'm dead, what can I do to change the horrible things I have seen? What's the point of this? And 
he fights and there's then... yeah there's a really there's a really good moment that he has which again is one of these like patrick stewart making a, a little tiny acting choice that really elevates something where he's like he's like um why show me this if i'm past all hope and then he's like ah you can't answer that can you like he's like i got you <laughs> well that's kind of to bookend the opening of the movie you know like a logic gap like a lot lo- like a logic yeah. trap there with the ghost like what's the point of me experiencing this whole roller coaster ride of life through this holiday if it's not so i can do something about it moving forward if i can't change my wicked ways um yeah and so then the as as always right i i feel like you you see some versions of this where just seeing his name on the gravestone is like horrifying enough that he's like i can't do it this is too final i want to change i want to change this version the gravestone cracks in half like the freaking ark of the covenant and scrooge falls into the grave on top of his own cold dead corpse yeah which i'll say i like a lot better than albert finney like going to hell for a little while and then coming back i'm okay with scrooge falling into a grave i think it's a night look going back to my theory if it is a nightmare or some sort of fever dream or something you end those usually with a big jolt, right? You end them with something that wakes you up or something that makes you question your reality and you're out of there, right? I like this as the ending of this moment. However, the breaking of the of the gravestone, right? Which is one of those ones just for, I don't know if there's a technical term, but it's not an upright one. It's one that's laying down over the grave. So it like yeah. when it cracks open, it looks like an effect you would see at a theme park. It look. It looks. Yeah, it's very. It's very cheesy. Like you got your ticket. Here's the grave ride. You open it up. You go down. Have fun. Don't put your hands outside the car. Like it's very. I don't want to say cheap. No, it's cheap. It's cheap looking. It's cheap looking. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's it's cheesy. And like a lot of the special effects in this movie, it, it's distracting in its cheesiness. And I think you you move past it so fast, and him being on top of his own corpse is a good touch like him having to come face to face with it is a rather than just it being like, Oh, he falls into his grave and then he's going to get buried or whatever. Like, yeah, no, what I like about that is it kind of matches also back with the ghost of Christmas past scene. Like yeah, when he's putting out that light, that's him at getting to the point of his life at that moment, deciding that he's going to be Ebenezer Scrooge. Right. So he's putting the, right. so it leads to that moment of the past. And here he has to come face to face with himself and he's horrified and that's good but it's the 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 visuals don't match up as well as other versions to waking up out of the out of the dream after being released from this whole thing yeah it doesn't quite have that but we're back in the bedroom and patrick stewart is putting in overtime for this movie because he sells it here and works his butt off yeah yeah there is there is one thing we need to talk about though. Oh no! In this scene, oh no! What is There's it? one thing that we definitely need to talk about, right? So he he realizes that he's alive, and that it's it's morning, and that his bed curtains aren't torn down, et cetera, et cetera. And then Patrick Stewart makes a capital C choice, and that choice is that Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't know how to laugh at first. 
I saw it happen. And I'm going to I'm going to drop in the what this sounds like when he starts doing it, and I will see if I can find a video clip of it and put it on our Twitter because this is a bananas choice. This is one of the strangest things I've ever seen a very skilled actor do. I he's going for it and he is committing to it, but it's weird. The shadows of the things that would have been can be dispelled. They will be. I know they will. Okay, John, the second it began, right? Like the second, like he put his hands to his chest and was like breathing deep in. I was like, oh no, is he doing what I think he's doing? Oh, he's doing it. Yeah. (laughs) I was all in on this choice. I, I might steal this choice. Like, I love it. I actually think it's really funny and stupid and silly, but boys and bananas <laughs> yeah it's really it's, it's, it's so weird it's, it's but it's so so here's what it is right he he's <laughs> going to laugh but it comes out as him like like choking and then like barking almost and then eventually turns into like a very genuine laugh that he like can't stop but the choice to have it be that like what it's communicating to us is that laughing is like a new thing to Ebenezer Scrooge or just something he hasn't done in so long that it's like a foreign and alien experience. And it's, it's communicated in the weirdest possible way. Like I love Patrick Stewart, but this is a really weird choice. I know. And I hear you, but I gotta say, man, I'm all in for this choice. Like I think, I think it's, it's visually interesting. Like he actually, oh yeah, totally. He, he not only does he. I mean, you, you said you're gonna put it on Twitter. Go check this out. He's all in on the physical aspect of it. He's doing these. His shoulders are onto his arm. His hands are on his chest. But then when he starts transitioning out of the choking aspect of him re- discovering how to laugh again and back into laugh, it might be my favorite Scrooge Christmas morning so far, actually. Oh, yeah. No, once once he gets past the the like very specific and odd choice, it's very good. I have written down here that this is like one of my favorite happy Scrooges. Like it's not too big to the point of being ridiculous, but it is pretty yeah but it's just big enough it's not it's not goofy the same way alistair sim was right whereas sim still has that wonderful moment with his housekeeper which i will always treasure i think that's one of my favorites um when somebody questions his sanity which is a very valid thing to question at this moment right yeah totally um he's just he's saying the one-liners to himself because it's you know he's cracking himself up there and he opens the window and he it's the it's christmas morning and we get our best christmas christmas day kid i think oh yeah yeah this kid's very funny like this little ginger kid just comes out and starts giving it back to scrooge as well as he's getting it you know like yeah 
You have it all off? Favorite... <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing in this sequence is where um, Scrooge is, like, paying the guy to take the the turkey to Bob Cratchit's house. And then he, like, starts laughing hysterically because he's like, oh, <laughs> you need you need a cab. You can't carry it the whole way. <laughs> Don't worry like, about that. His laugh in this is, like, infectious. It's so funny. Don't worry about this problem. I'll just sprinkle some money on it. You know? Like. Yeah. Look, it's, it makes sense at that moment. I like the laughter also continuing off of the cab, the guy from the shop. But. It, it, yeah, like other people are kind of infected by how jolly Scrooge is, which is a nice touch that they're not all just looking at him like he's nuts. But like he's so joyful on this morning that like it's in, it's impacting other people in a positive way. He goes walking through the, the city. He, he, he sees some kids making a snowman and they throw a snowball at him. And he throws one right back. And it's not like a silly version of this scene where like he be there for like half an hour playing a game of like having a snowball fight with them. No, it's one ball and he's off and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got stuff to he's do. Got... This is like the polar opposite of the, of the Richard Williams thing where like the Richard Williams movie is so good. And then the ending of it, it sucks so much. Right. And this is like a movie where like by and large, it's not great. It's, it's, okay and watchable if you've never seen this story before uh this ending is is pretty strong i think i think from christmas morning on it's is like one of the best parts of this movie there is this movie does something i haven't seen in a christmas carol before he's walking through the city and he hears church he hears the singing from a local church and he just goes in and I don't know when the last time he's been in a church, but it's so funny watching him go in, not knowing he has to take his hat off. And like the guy tips, like motions, like, Hey buddy, you know, take the, take the hat off. And he goes to the priest, like, um, Oh, good day to you, sir. Like tip of the cap to you. And he's like, nah, schmuck, take the hat off. And yeah. And Scrooge gets in, he takes the hat off and, goes and starts to sing but he doesn't know the words so he's like yeah he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. mumbling it like and the guy standing next to him was like you want to look at the book with me and they share the hymn book together and it's such a cute little moment and i'm just like this is great like i want more scrooge going to church this is my favorite scene in this movie and is probably one of my favorite scenes in any Christmas Carol that we've watched so far because Patrick Stewart is so hilariously awkward in it. Yeah. Like you're describing. And the funniest thing to me is like, um, so this is a, this is one sentence from the book, by the way, it just says he, he went to church. That's it. like, literally, I think that's what it says. He went to church and then he did a couple other things and then he went to his nephew's house. So this, this, my favorite thing in this is when he's doing the thing with the song and he doesn't know the words because this is like a very like as a kid grew, who grew up going to church this is very much a thing where like if you don't have the book right in front of you right but then like he kind of knows the chorus like the chorus kicks in and he's like oh yeah and then he starts singing it really loud because right. it's Patrick Stewart and it's so good it's it's so charming and disarming and like you feel for him like the awkwardness of, of trying to relearn how to do this thing but also you feel good because he's like around people who are smiling at him and being nice to him it's so so good it's such a pleasant little scene and that doesn't stay too long isn't too short it's the again going back to this idea of like 
if we're going to cobble together the perfect version of a Christmas Carol, this is the church scene. I've never seen one before. And I, John, I'll give you a heads up. I'm pro- pretty sure we'll see. All right. Over under. What do you think we'll see more of? Scrooge going to church or the scene from the Marley's intro with the, the, the wall carvings and all that stuff where like they're coming to life through Marley's face. Which one do you think you we'll mean see? The, one, the ones on the, the stove? Yeah, the stove scene. Dang, dude. I think we'll see the church scene more. Okay. We're tied 1-1 each. I don't think we've seen it in anything else either. Only in this version. Only in the, <laughs> only in the Patrick Stewart version do you get these scenes never before scenes from A Christmas Carol. <laughs> well, there, there are three, right? So they have they have the scene of the mosaics around his fireplace. Mm-hmm. They have the, the people who owe him money. And they have him going to church. And I'm pretty sure that this is the only time we've seen any of those three is in this version. I know. So this might be our most true to the text version because it also had the ghost of Christmas um, present taking him around to all the. And we can talk about this in our wrap up because we still need to finish this movie. But what we Um, don't get here is though we don't get the charity workers, though, in this scene after the church, we're right to Fred. Oh, you're right. Does he ever pay them back? I was hoping he'd see them at church. It would have made the scene a little bloated and a little like small. I mean, I know we talk about how we yeah, like the community yeah, yeah. small, but like I wouldn't expect them to be at the same church. Well, I assume those guys came from a church. Right, that's so fair. You think that's that fair. If you want, church look, if you want to put them there and like they're at the other end of the pew and you want to do a like a, a minute long of like comedy, Scrooge trying to get their attention to pay them during the middle of service. It's hysterical. I'm yeah, all in. Be, and Patrick Stewart would do that very well. Oh, this just, is like the perfect version. Like of he that. just leans forward like a little bit more and turns to them. And like, they're like, is that freaking Scrooge over there? And like, yeah. and like during coffee hour or whatever, I don't think they would have coffee hour back then, but you know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but like he catches them outside and you do the scene there or he doesn't go into, cause, cause after this, he's walking past Fred's house. Now, here's the question, John. This is actually a little something I don't quite know. Is he afraid to go into Fred's house? Because he walks past it, hears the merriment inside, and then is like toying with the notion of going in. Yeah, he's pacing back and forth. And then I think that's punctuated by that weird song that Topper is singing about being shy. Topper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so Topper is singing the second musical number that's in this movie about this song about being like too shy to like go talk to a girl or something. And he's just saying, shy, 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 I'm too shy, over and over again. And meanwhile, you look outside, and Scrooge is, like, doing practice runs at walking up to his nephew's house. He's, like, trying to build up the nerve. It's as, it's they're, they're trying to be as cute as the Alicia Sim version, where he has that moment with the um, yeah the housekeeper when he comes in. It's not quite there. He has one line where he's like, I know the way. And that's that's kind of cute because of what he went through the night before. When he talks to the maid, there's another really weird like like patrick stewart pushing it acting choice where he's like he calls her my love but he like it's it's like he's trying to so he's like asking he asks the the housekeeper when he comes up to the door like if fred lives there or something i don't have the exact line in front of it and then he like pauses and then he's like my love and it's and i think it's supposed to be like he's trying to think of a nice thing to say to her and he's not sure like it's like i think it's supposed to be awkward because he's not he doesn't know how to be nice to people yet so he's just throwing something out there is that but it comes off as really weird that is very i i clocked that as well i was like that's uh that's a bit of a creeper moment there uh don't need to be saying my love like that 
No, I I think that it is if if I know Patrick Stewart and the the kind of choices that he makes, that is him saying this person doesn't know how to say nice things, so he's going to say something that is like too nice or too familiar. And John knows himself some Patrick Stewart, so he they're, they're friends. If, unless anybody think that's not true, all right. Me and me and Peace too hang out on the weekends. Now um, I, I just had this visual of the two of you like in some sort of animated adventure buddy movie, like just going around like John and Patrick Stewart together and friends forever through time. They're fighting wizards and raptors and lasers. Oh yeah, it's the best. That's our new theme song for this show, actually. Um, <laughs> I like how I'm nowhere near where... that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The scene where Scrooge talks to Fred and is really nice because like all the party guests are there. He's like walking in the middle of the party and he's like, "He creeps in." I come into your party. Yeah, he like he he really does not make a scene. Like he like he, he like the, he like he pierced over the door like all like for the side of the door like as slowly as he can enter without disturbing what's going on. He tries to get in there, and it's just so correct of a choice for that moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It has very similar energy to Alistair Sim. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even has the thing where he, like, goes and asks, like, the daughter-in-law for forgiveness. Um, and less creepy than the Alistair Sim version. I'll say that. Yeah, more self-deprecating. Like, can you forgive a stupid old fool? I should have met He doesn't you... want to be left out in the cold anymore. And I was like, oh, that's a rough line. I like it. I should have, I should have, you know, you have welcomed me so long. I, and you had no reason to do so. Cause I'm such a jerk, but, and I should have met you when, you know, Fred got engaged and all that stuff. Like I've been a jerk. Can you forgive me? Like, yeah. 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 Um, and then he dances with her, which is nice. So this, this version is taking a lot of cues from the Alistair Sim version, rightly so. Right. Cause I think that's a really strong, well, think about a it, really man. strong version of it. Remember my theory is like, this is like for a lot of people, like their version, Alistair Sim was their Christmas Carol movie. So yeah. it makes sense that they're like little flavors of it. And of course that's just kind of because it's in the novella as well all the time. But yeah, visually there's a lot of hints here. Yeah. Um, and then we, we finally get to the scene where um, he's going to give Bob the raise. I love this scene. Yeah, this is very good. This scene is very good. So he, Bob comes in late, had one too many uh, punches, you know. Hopefully they didn't put like a fire poker in there to make the punch boil as you do back in the day, apparently. Because that's what happens yeah. at Fred's party. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, he comes in a little hungover, uh, definitely wondering where that turkey came from. And Patrick Stewart, I've seen a lot of people do the no-sell here and go into it like like he's like Scrooge again. Great performance from Patrick Stewart here in that movie. Yeah, cold, cold, cold MFR, just like. Mr. Cratchit, come in here. And he can't hold it for long, and he, pl- and he lets yeah. it play out as long as he needs to. And then he's bigger than the ghost of Christmas present. Like he is all father Christmas at this moment. And it's, yeah, it's what, and, and Richard E. Grant plays this, like he backs away, grabs the fireplace poker and like is, is against the wall, like averting his eyes. Like, I don't, just don't don't hurt me, man. I, I don't know what's wrong with you. You've gone loony. I knew you were going to go crazy one day and my worst dream has come true. 
and I'm hungover while this is happening. I'm in pain right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and that kind of brings us to the end of it, right? So, like, we get a nice, warm, like, go buy another coal scuttle before you dot another eye. And, and we get... So, Fred is the narrator at the end. There's no yeah. other narration in this, right? But then, for some reason, they decide, you know who it's got to be? It's got to be Fred. And I don't know that that's necessarily wrong choice it's weird that at this moment they choose to have a narrator i don't like it and not other moments like i think you right. do need the narration to give it the closure but it's weird that there's no narration at the beginning so yeah uh they have this weird like little montage with narration of what happened there and it's weird because the for a moment there, I thought the closing shot was going to be Scrooge sipping a brandy or drinking wine or whatever. And it's like, I don't like the, what that's saying visually. Like, a yeah. benevolent rich guy is all you need and everything's going to be yeah, okay. Yeah, weird, weird that he's like alone in his apartment at the end. But it's actually the Cratchits coming over to visit. Which was He's sweet. having the Cratchits over. Yeah, I thought that was like, like he's sitting there waiting for the Cratchits, which I think is intentional. I think it's, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, is he just going back to his old ways? But actually it turns out, no, he's going to have the Cratchits over for dinner and they're going to talk about how to keep Tiny Tim from dying and that's going to be that. And it was it it was fine. Yeah. And then the it end. ended. Yeah. So, so James. <laughs> yeah, John. Uh what's going to get your your prize turkey for this particular rendition? My prize turkey. Well, John, one moment. Because I know what my prize turkey is. But I have to go there and get. You know, I was going to go with Mrs. Cratchit. Actually, I was going to go with Mrs. Cratchit. But I've picked a lot of I, I've picked a lot of Mrs. Cratchit's before. So this time I'm actually going to give it to the Fezziwig sequence. Mm, OK, I've never seen that side of Scrooge. I've never seen that type of Scrooge, a young you know, suave almost Scrooge. Like a, yeah. like playing that charismatic. Charismatic, playing that game with that kid, being able to work Fezziwig into singing a song. He's dancing and he's good at it for the time period. Like yeah. he's a decent Scrooge. So I think that I'm gonna give it to the whole Fezziwig sequence. But John what do you give your Christmas pudding to? So I think that I I think I can't make any other choice but Patrick Stewart. I mean, he really he picks this entire thing up on his back and he has some help along the way. But largely speaking, if anything is good in this version, it's because he is like by hook or by crook making it meet a certain level of excellence. And there is a lot that he has to contend with in terms of like things that are actively trying to make this movie worse, like the special effects and like the kind of, you know, one out of three ain't bad situation with the ghosts <laughs> and the weird Marley stuff. And, you know, I, any moments where this shined or where I was really invested were because of things that he was doing. So as as boring as it is, just be like, well, the guy who played Scrooge is the best thing in this Christmas Carol movie. It's Patrick Stewart for me. 
And on that note, I could also say that while I almost went with Mrs. Cratchit, Richard E. Grant as uh, as Bob was. Yeah, it's definitely an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, but what what on the other hand is getting a lump of coal from you this this go around? It's a hard question. Yeah. But if I had to say something, it would definitely be that twister that twister was the worst it was god awful it took me out of the movie i mean there was a lot of stuff that took me out of the movie but that one in particular just ruined especially that sequence because i was excited to get that sequence in a movie again but na 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 yeah yeah um it's a it's a daily double, James, because uh, I also do do not care for that twister. I think it is indicative of the 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 worst instincts that this movie has. How can you not go with it? It's that bad. It's yeah. It's the worst. Yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. But I think it's not alone. Like there are other things. There are other places where this movie tries to have like some special effects that ultimately just end up being distracting and not very good. And dragging the whole production down, and it does feel like, like this this very serviceable TV adaptation of a Christmas Carol with a really great lead, striving to be more than it is. Agreed. Do you see this movie in your Christmas future, or do you think this is staying in your Christmas past? Um, it's in my past. I hate saying that for a Patrick Stewart Christmas Carol. I was all in on this being a five out of five uh, Christmas Carol movie. But nah, this is just, this is just even Patrick's performance doesn't redeem this one. Yeah. Yeah. Friends, can you hear how somber we are at the end of this? We, we, we were both hoping that this was going to be an amazing, amazing adaptation. And while it shoots for the moon, it falls very short. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I can't even bring myself. So this is also staying in my Christmas past for, for context. I can't bring myself to say that hey, this. I can't bring myself to say that this is a. Um, yeah. Okay. You want to be on the podcast? Are you saying it's Christmas Day, buddy? Hi. How you doing there, bud? He's trying to stare through my pop filter right now. Sorry, guys. I, uh, my son woke up midway through recording, so I'm going to leave that in. I think it's cute. Um, it's... This stays in my Christmas past, not because it's bad, but because it's it's painfully mediocre. Yeah. And just brings very little special to the table aside from Patrick Stewart's performance and a couple of other notable performances, but... None of them necessarily that much better than anything we've seen before that I ever plan to go back to it again for any reason. I just, I think it's one that's going to have to be once and done for me. I will always have a fondness for the Fezziwig scene and the Cratchits from this movie, like I've already talked about. I think they nail what they're trying to do, but everything else is just... Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Man, this we we need to get in ring shape, John. This this th we got knocked out with this one. I think we had some some halfway decent moments, but oh no, look up what we're doing next. But 
Uh, well, I think we're doing a Christmas Carol next. Well, luckily for you, James, next week uh, we're watching a Christmas Carol, but we're watching a very specific version of it. We're going to be watching the stage musical, A Christmas Carol in Harlem. Hey, everybody, quick correction here. Um, we will actually not be watching A Christmas Carol in Harlem next week. That was our original plan. However, the theater group that produced uh, the production we were going to be watching uh, has since removed the production from YouTube. Um, so uh, until there's a version of it that is legally available for us, um, we're going to be moving on to uh, our next uh, choice, which is the 2020 Christmas Carol adaptation produced by Carmel Barrett and directed by Garish Patel. Uh, I'll be posting a link to that on our Twitter feed, so if you would like to watch that before uh, the next episode, that's where you can find it. I'm very excited to watch it. It's going to be something something very different for us. So if you would like to get a look at that, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, Marley is Dead Pod. Uh, if you have thoughts about uh, this particular version or other versions we should watch, definitely check us out at uh, jacobmarleysdead at gmail.com. Check us out. Email us at jacobmarleysdead at gmail.com. Um, James, what can people do to help support the podcast? They can leave us a five-star, 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 five-star review. Wherever you listen to the podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us out immensely yeah a few people have already done that it's uh it's been really nice to see those come in to see people enjoy this like weird thing that we're doing um we're enjoying it a lot it's getting us through the covid times and uh helping keep our friendship alive in these times of becoming parents and social distancing so thank you for giving us that gift we appreciate it john i like how you were like uh, when we're becoming parents and whatever jimmy is (laughs) (laughs) well you know no i'm Look, I am settled into my life structure, which is I'm just going to be a bachelor. And then when I'm 50, some ghosts are going to come around and tell me to do some stuff. And I'm going to be OK. You know, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be all good. Dude, dating during COVID time sucks. Like, it's just so rough out there. Yeah, forget that. Like, I, all right. I think that's all we got, John. I think we're going to wrap yeah, this thing up. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So. We'll see you next time with a Christmas Carol in Harlem. And until we see you again, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless him, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.